When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and him, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, hello. It's always nice to talk to you, but we are recording this on Sunday morning, so if we could crack on, because some of us have got an FA Cup draw to watch. <laughs> and and some of us haven't, and, and rightly so. We, uh, we we deservedly lost last night, uh, and 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 returned home uh, about about two o'clock in the morning, thanks to the wonders of uh, of ITV, who who decided they wanted the match on television, but didn't want it that much, so they stuck it on ITV four because it clashed with the Masked Singer. I, I know, and, and even <laughs> even though you did lose and deservedly, yet still, according to ITV, Graham Potter is the best manager the world of football's ever seen. He's he's, he's <laughs> a, it's, a, it's incredible. Their loving continues. It, um, it it's questions today, Kieran. We do have two news stories to discuss. One much more important than the other. And the first is that professional female footballers in England are to get improved maternity, long-term injury and illness cover under a new agreement between the FA and the PFA. Much improved? Um, Yeah, it is much improved. And uh, you've got to ask yourself, why has it taken this long to to get this far? But let's let's just be positive. Um, Fair play to the PFA. We we spoke uh, recently with regards to um, the, the number of female members of the PFA, which which is increasing um, as as the WSL and the Championship and so on uh, you know, in, increase their their footprint, um, female players will now be able to claim full maternity play for fourteen weeks and to have I think it's eighteen months worth of injury cover, which brings them into line with with male players, yeah. and and that should be the case, you know, just because you know, your gender should not dictate. What you get paid in terms of uh, if you suffer, uh, you know, a, a, a something goes wrong at, at football. It's, it's absolutely nonsense. The the, the historic the historic issue. Um, now, so, some people, uh, some people with with views that let's face it, probably aren't in a line with ours, uh, will say, uh, "Well, they're, 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 this 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 is the thin end of the wedge," and they're looking for for parity in terms of pay. That, that's that's complete nonsense. You know, if you talk to people in the women's game, um, would, would they like the women players to earn more money? Yes, they do, but they they also say. They they realise that a, a football is a business, and your costs are ultimately driven by income. You you get the income up, you can you can put up the wage costs, um, and and it and it and it is starting to move forwards. Um, and, and whilst we whilst we are talking about um, women in the game, and I know this is is slightly tenuous, um, and, and let's let's set partisan things aside. Um, a huge heads up and a huge thank you to everybody at Palace and all their fans. Who have uh, supported uh, the ju- the Just Giving campaign uh, in respect of Hartlepool's manager? Uh, so Gemma Lee, who's uh, who's who's had a, a brain brain tumor, um, they're, they're trying to raise money uh, in respect of her. And if anybody's listening, can contribute yeah. as well. Um, you know, th- th- this th- this is not about which football club; it's about doing the right thing and. 
uh, you know, we, we, talk, we talk about the football family and you know, sadly too many of the stories about sort of the, the Manson family <laughs> in terms of the way that they behave towards one another. But uh, you know, I, I know uh, the, the club, uh, Palace, and, and also I, I believe uh, Palace fans have, have hugely helped this um, over the course of the last 48 hours. And anybody that's listening, uh, ju- just giving uh, Gemma Lee's campaign, uh, you're, doing, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the, the the club Crystal Palace on their website on Friday said that they'd made a donation to this uh, crowdfunding effort. Uh, she needs £5,000 a month to fund uh, a revolutionary new American uh, treatment. Uh, her prognosis was very poor and it's, it's getting better. But off the back of that, Palace fans, overnight, the amount raised went from 15000 to Seventy thousand, which we are, we are very proud of. Palace fans are no different to others, but you know the demographic of football fans has changed a lot in the past generation. But there is still a lot of, uh, still a lot of middle-aged blokes who support Palace, and there's no one more sentimental than the South London middle-aged bloke. As I'm sure you will know, I'm sure Uncle Terry shed many a tear as he was kneecapping somebody. <laughs> but, yeah, but we are very proud, of, and every club has a story that's that's similar. And I think Palace and Hartlepool have, have built a bond over the past few days, which is uh, another of those things you like to see in football. Just briefly back to the professional female footballers. I was always very impressed, Kieran, when I was a, uh, a human resources manager in the NHS, in the ambulance service. I was always very impressed with those older uniformed officers who would say, I wish I could get pregnant, just have 10 weeks off for nothing. It's like, I'm sure. I'm sure if you ask, I'm sure they would let you do it. I'm sure. And if you, just, if you think it's 10 weeks off for nothing. But anyway, our, our second story, Kieran, is uh, Finley okay? Is he wonky chopped up to the eyeballs? He's, he's very quiet at present. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah, he's, I think he's, uh, he's preening himself for a uh, his, his first social uh, theatrical appearance. Oh, of course. Well, what better way to lead into our second story, Kieran? Because it's us. Our second story is us. We hope to do a number of live shows across the country this year, and the first ever will be happening on Thursday, the 24th of March, at the home of AFC Wimbledon, the Cherry Red Record Stadium, a.k.a. good old Plough Lane. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, then tickets go on sale at 10 o'clock today, that's the 7th of February, and cost just £10 each, no booking fee. We are absorbing that with producer guys, usually in practical solid gold kitchen towel. Uh, just <laughs> click on the link in the show notes for the episode or in our Twitter feeds and get your ticket now. Don't forget, you can also come dressed for the occasion, says producer Guy, as our online store, thepriceoffootball.backstreetmerch.com, is selling t shirts. I don't know which surprised me more, Kieran, the fact that we are still peddling the merchandise or the idea that thousands of our dear listeners actually are listening before <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning. But several several people came up to me in the pub before the game yesterday following your tweet and said they were setting the alarm clocks to get up and book tickets. So uh, it would be lovely to see you all. It is only £10 a ticket. £10 is all you will pay. And hopefully we will be seeing you around the country later on. And uh, certainly at least some, if not all of our profits, will be going to... Uh, Rochdale supporters, basically, who are in need of money at the moment. Kieran, should we get on with some questions because we have some crackers? Absolutely, yeah. We also have a dangerous precedent set during these questions, Paul. Uh, uh, we're we're going mm. to have to have a showdown with producer guy at some stage <laughs> or whoever he sends in his place at the live gig. Um, Tom Wooten, talking of human resources, which is not something we often get to say on this pod, <laughs> but Tom Wooten said, whenever I've started a new place of work, and Tom implies that that happens a lot. Whenever I've, whenever I've started a new place of work, I've had to spend the first few days reading company policies and doing monotonous health and safety courses. I'm on a bound to point out, uh, Tom, those are very important, those monotonous health and safety courses. Will footballers do something similar? Did Jaden Sancho attend the Man United diversity and inclusion course? Did Jack Grealish learn how to spot a phishing email? And does Lionel Messi know where the fire exits are at PSG? It's, it's a nice, light-hearted question. Kieran, but are super rich footballers subject to the same employment rules as mere mortals? They, they, they certainly are. Um, and actually, what they will find is, is at, at the first week of at the club, especially if it is uh, an overseas player who yeah, English isn't going to be their first language a lot of the time, um, uh, that they will have... Um, sort of a glorified PA, uh, as far as the club is concerned, who will be taking them through the protocols, 
um, you know, in terms of expectations, in terms of social media, uh, training facilities, where, when do they start, when are they supposed to finish? Um, you know, fo- footballers' lives are incredibly organised by their their employer because it, uh, this 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 sounds right. The the clubs don't want the players to think about anything apart from football, so therefore they will try to organise their lives as much as possible, along with the the players, you know, personal management team and so on. Um, and this this will extend to uh, the the expectations of the club in terms of what what they are supposed to know in terms of the you know, the club's history. So what what you don't want is somebody signing for for uh you know for manchester city to come out and, and tweet or instagram it's great to be joining the red devils yeah you, know, you, you they, the the club will be very very keen to uh make sure that uh the the, the new employee is completely familiar with with everything because they're also multi-million pound assets yeah and and, and you don't want them reversing their car into you know <laughs> somewhere at the club uh, because they've, they've not been shown where the exits are um, and, and potentially getting an injury. So, yeah, the, the, I would say it's actually probably more likely to be taking place at uh, at uh, football clubs than, than many employers. Yeah, I always remember Neil Ruddock telling me one day that one of the new players, uh, I think it was West Ham, uh, one of the new players was late for training because he'd wanted to buy some tropical fish and he didn't know how to go about it. So it was it was a it was a crisis <laughs> that day's crisis. I have to say my place of work is currently a health and safety nightmare. Uh, we've we've <laughs> we're having to store a lot of dad stuff in in the office, and this this cup of tea is precariously perched for a start. Kieran, the old the old health and safety me wouldn't be happy. Our next question comes from Jack the Berry fan, which uh, I'm now determined to write a pantomime called Jack the Berry fan. <laughs> it's a brilliant name for a pattern. Um, and Jack the Berry fan says, we all know the difference in prize money between the Champions League and Europa League, and we know it's vast. But I'm wondering what the gap in prize money is between the Europa League and the Europa Conference. Okay. Um, the Europa League's prize money is €465 million, Euros, and that is effectively twice that of the Conference League, which is 235 um, to again to, to contextualise them, the Champions League is just over two billion. Yeah. So, for every one pound in the uh, Conference League, uh, clubs in the Champions League are getting eight, uh, which is why there's such a bun fight uh, between clubs at the, uh, at the at the top of the Premier League to, to try to secure one of those four places. Yeah. Our next question, Kieran, comes from Shishir Kulahali, and so does the question after that. And now. I'm, I'm not happy. I'm really generally not happy, Kieran. No disrespect. Is, Go on. Is this a Patreon benefit that we've not been told about by producer Guy and he's carving off the profits for himself? Well, let's not get into what we've not been told about by producer Guy as we <laughs> say FA Cup draw coming up. Um, yeah, this is, Not only does it set a dangerous precedent, Kieran, it's really going to annoy all those poor sods who have waited six months to get one question asked. And basically, and Shishir bowls up. With, with two questions. Plus, as with the anonymous question last week, I'm not convinced that one of these questions isn't producer guys himself that ripped in. Plus also, Guy has put in brackets, he's, he's, he's sent on email two questions from Shishir Kulahali, brackets, as they're both very good, PG. He started to refer to himself as PG. It's not enough for him to be producer guy. He's now signing himself <laughs> off as PG, like some second-rate Bond villain in a volcano in Manchester somewhere. Or, or somebody in a Leonard Roster sitcom from the 70s. Anyway, they are they are good questions. One of them contains a name that Palace fans don't like mentioning, but I shall be uh, bigger than that. And the first question from Shishir says, back in August, Willian reported for pre-season with uh, quite the incredible porch. Could a club like Arsenal sack a player for not keeping fit pre-season? Um, the answer is yes. I, I got in contact with our very good friend of the show, Jonathan Booker, uh, who who is uh, you know, an agent. Um, and he says that um, technically, yes, they probably could sack them although it would be a pretty brave club to do so because they would have to prove that the player was unable to perform their duties. Um, and how would they identify the standard required? I mean, you, you and I are both old enough to remember football in the 70s and 80s where there was a slightly more casual approach taken by some players yeah. to their, their, their physique. 
Um, and it, it never stopped them playing. You know, and, it, and, and that and it also gave us hope uh, mm-hmm. when when we turned up for Sunday league football, turning looking not quite the best. Um, he, he, Jonathan also said, yeah, under FIFA regulations, a player refusing to train properly could be found to be an attempt to breach employment contracts ah. without just cause. So, uh, you know, if the, if the player is just arsing around uh, and not, not, not committing themselves, and certainly um, you know, as, as Brighton fans, we, we remember um, one or two players in our past uh, from about – 15, 16 years ago, who I will not name, uh, who who were guilty of such an approach and, and whose who's game suffered as a result of that. Um, you know, th- there have been cases where players have been known to uh, you know, enjoy enjoy the old late night kebab, should we say, <laughs> um, and, and they will have weight and condition clauses in their contracts. And I think you and I both know one of those players or you rather you know one of those players and we've had conversations about him um so you know that that, that is actually quite common because the that those those players that that do uh, uh do perhaps have a, a more old style uh, lifestyle habits um they will be monitored very carefully by the clubs and and that could be a, a condition of their contracts mm. i was going to ask you to guess which crystal palace player was fined every week of his short career at the club for being overweight. But we've actually already mentioned him in the Topical Fish story, so <laughs> you can work it out for yourself. Shishi's second question, uh, and this is quite an interesting one, I think. Adidas have released third kits for Arsenal and Manchester United that are inspired by ones from previous kit makers, Nike and Umbro. Man United, for example, have explicitly stated that their new third kit is a remix of the one made famous by overrated tosser Eric Cantona. Um, Turns out not that intelligent after all. Will Adidas be paying royalties to the original kit makers? And I should stress, by the way, that the overrated toss of it comes from me, not Shishia. But that's <laughs> but that's an interesting question. They're talking about a homage or a remix of a, of a, another company's kit. You'd, you'd imagine there would be some kind of intellectual ownership of that kit design from those previous companies, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I think you'd have to establish just how close. You know, are you trying to pass off your kit as being the original one, because if, if we take a look at cl- clubs, quite often will say um, this is uh, this is a reminisce of you know the, the year that the first club existed and yeah. and so on, um, and that that happens all the time. Um, if if it's a complete rip off, then I think you could go and claim for. Um, you know, a breach of copyright, but they normally do just enough. Uh, you know, it's a bit like if, if you've got a record which sounds a bit like another record, you yeah. know, the, the lawyers will, will get involved. Um, wasn't it the Verve who had to give 100% of their royalties yeah. to the Stones, yeah. to, to Andrew Luke Oldman, uh, for, for their debut single because it, 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 you know, it took a few loops from, from one of the Stones songs. So um, the, the lawyers at Adidas will have gone through as to just how much of a copy is not a copy, as it were, to make sure that you don't have to hand across any money to. You know, the, the last thing that Adidas would ever want to do is give money to Nike. There, there's no love between those two organisations. It, it's rather a crafty move as well by the, the kit makers because they know that fans in general, certainly fans of our age, won't buy the current kit. It doesn't fit for a start off, but they, they will... <laughs> They will, of course, admire a retro kit. They're more. I'm more likely to buy a retro Palace kit than than the current one, um, yeah. mainly because I don't look particularly good in swirly red and blue stripes. But I, I think, yeah, they are clever, like you say. They they know exactly what they're doing when they release these kits. So, but okay. But thank you for those questions, Shishir. and PG. If you are listening, one question at a time, please. Uh, our next question comes from JB. If we're going to play that game, Jake Bergfist. Jake Bergfist says, it's been reported that Messi will receive some of his PSG salary through their own cryptocurrency. How will this be accreted in any FFP checks? And what's to stop PSG buying back £20 million worth of crypto for £50 million at the end of his contract to inflate his earnings? Yeah, this is uh, this is causing consternation uh, at, at some clubs. I spoke to somebody quite, quite senior. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite quite senior in, in football um, about this because it the thing about the, these fan tokens and you know, there there is a lot of confusion cryptocurrency versus NFTs versus fan tokens 
Um, f- fan tokens are, are issued in theory to to fans and other interested parties. Stroke, they like to call themselves investors or traders, yeah. but they're, they're actually living at home with their mum and their virgins. Um, <laughs> not, not, not I'm using sweeping generalisations. No, no, of course not. Um, but uh, in, in respect of this, clubs clubs issue them. They they receive cash. Um, and then they they can increase their their engagement with the club, um, and there's you you can you can buy and sell them just like you can buy and sell anything else. And if you can, if, if you buy and sell things, and there's enough things to buy and sell, you create a market. Um, Messi is is being used as part of the PSG fan token organization because it it legitimizes and provides interest in the subject. So if you take a look at what happened. When, when Messi signed, um, the the price of the PSG fan token immediately shot up to $50. And since then, it's lost two thirds of its value. Uh, it's down to 16. And, and somebody put out a, a couple of days ago, um, a, a sort of a, a list of all of the, the most recent sets of fan tokens. And um, they're all heading heading. In, even in a southerly direction in yeah. terms of value if people want to do that then 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 fine you know this is what we've always said but but they're not investments they are they are a way of you know it, it, it's it's another piece of merchandise from a football club um and if if you feel that it brings you closer to the club well go fair enough and you know fill your boots with them but um i'm i'm very very wary of of considering these things as investments because they're not actually uh, fundamentally linked to anything of value. Well, you know, the reason I mentioned Palace in that when you, you said a lot of people are uneasy because one of the big conversations yesterday we were having is about because Palace are releasing their NFTs or whatever they're called on on Tuesday to a big fanfare, which is slightly odd because their cryptocurrency uh, shirt sleeve sponsors went bust a couple of weeks ago. But they're, they're very mm. they're very bullish about this thing. But the, the the reason people are uneasy is that we don't really know what they are. And it's like the the general consensus is people saying, yes, a friend of ours is a lawyer. We say, well, look, if you want to buy them, buy them. As long as the club yeah. are clear about what what it is you're buying, that's fine. It's not there's not some sort of conspiracy to to, to cheat you. But the thing is that most of us, this is a new area for a lot of us, especially us older fans. So that's why the unease. What, what about the second part of the question then? What is to stop PSG buying twenty million back? Um, probably that there's nothing, and, and this is. You know, I, I spoke to uh, an executive of one of the, the football organisations. So, you know, are you making any plans with regards to this for FFP purposes? And you know, his reply was, um, "It's it's on our agenda. Um, you know, we're having to take legal advice because it could be claimed that the 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 football player had bought them in good faith, and therefore, if he makes any profits out of it." Um, from another party, then then good luck to him. But you know, it, the, the the issue with all of these um, items is they're unreg- unregulated, highly volatile, and open to manipulation. And given that central governments and central banks are struggling to come to terms with how to deal with them, yeah. to expect the football industry, which ultimately is a small industry, to to be able to come up with the perfect solution is is going to be uh, a real challenge. And I, I guess, Kieran, as well that. Tax authorities in various countries across Europe will be keeping a BDI on this as well, won't they? Yes, because um, if you if they are deemed to be investments, then the profits, uh, as far as the player is concerned, falls within the realms of their income um, and therefore should be taxable. Our next question comes from Chris Martin. Uh, probably not that one. Uh, Chris, Chris uh, he might be on tour at the moment, listening idly, listening to the price of football. Getting in. and us, and as we know from producer guy, old PG, if anyone's going to jump the queue and get a question asked quickly, it'll be Chris Martin. But anyway, Chris Martin says, "What are your opinions about many clubs in the Vanarama National League? Yeah, it's not Chris Martin, is it? Um, Wrexham and Chesterfield, for in particular, being able to outbid League One and Two teams so consistently in terms of transfer fees." And wages. I mean, it, it, effectively, the top half of the, the national league is is League Three at the moment, Kieran, isn't it? Mm. To an extent. Yeah, I, I think there's only one club now in the in the national league itself, which is part time, and the national league north. The vast majority of the clubs are are, are full time, 
uh, and in speaking to to one, uh, our, our mark, uh, one of our mutual friends uh, who's connected to a National League South team, uh, it's it's less common in National League South. But um, in terms of opinions, ultimately there are no financial fair play rules in the National League, which allows club owners and ultimately this is this is this is driven by owners to uh, accelerate uh, the chances of their club getting promoted through through underwriting wage structures which are you know, under normal business circumstances you would say are unsustainable now uh, you know Gary Neville did this at uh, at Salford City and if anybody's seen the uh, the class of 92 uh, documentaries, uh, which which are very entertaining. Yeah. He's he, he's he's quite honest. He said we want to get promoted. Our aim is to get to the championship, and and which and we're buying our way to it uh, as as much as we can within the rules. And in the national league, there were no rules. Yeah. Um, so if we if we take a look at what's happened with uh, Wrexham, clearly it yeah, the club is being funded by Hollywood. They want a bit of Hollywood sprinkle on it, and you know it's being turned into a Netflix documentary. Well, you know if they if they finished fourteenth in the National League, it's it's going to be a more difficult sell. So there there are benefits in terms of you know the expected viewing figures if if the club does well. So there's sort of a, a virtuous circle in them spending money, um, and we are seeing um, new owners coming into clubs. Um, you know, Chesterfield's been mentioned. Uh, Stockport as well, who are top of uh, top of the the National League at present. And you know, I I, I used to go and watch Stockport on, on a Friday night uh, when when they used to play there regularly because I, I lived when I was living in Manchester. I lived I was living in Stockport for uh, many many years. Um, and I thought, always, you know, Kieran, I thought you were going to say tax purposes. Just, just, just. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, yeah, British Virgin Islands, Luxembourg, <laughs> and Stockport. <laughs> so I don't. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I like the sound of a Hollywood sprinkle either. It does. That, that could go two ways. Can't it? That, well, that's, that's that's back to manscaped. Indeed. I uh, I used to be so fascinated as a youngster the idea that, that Stockport and Tranmere played their games on a Friday night. I thought it was impossibly glamorous. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. So, thank, did you finish answering that before I interrupted you? Yeah, yeah. They've these clubs have got owners who who are prepared to write out large checks, which has allowed them to outbid those clubs in League One and League Two. Especially those. First of all, we've got the issue of financial fair play does exist under the uh, spectacular salary cap management protocol rules, which uh, if you are a club in League Two, uh, limits you your 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 wage bill to fifty percent of revenue plus football fortune, which is that's uh, that's another issue. Um, and and some some owners in in the in leagues one and two, just like many owners in in the National League itself. Either don't have the resources to to uh, subsidise the club, or um, you know take the view that the football club should be sustainable. Because you know we were talking to Dale Vince last week, and one of the things he was very keen to promote was the idea of owners being custodians and therefore not being over dependent upon that you know, on one person when when that one person potentially moves on. So what you don't want to do is to uh, you know just walk away from a club because. Of personal circumstances, or uh, if you get bored, <coughs> no, Morris. Um, so, um... <laughs> All right, okay. Um, our next question comes from Tom Metcalf, and Tom's a Bristol Rovers fan, and he says that Bristol Rovers, like many clubs, have a supporters club which is run by volunteers. But there's been a bit of a furore recently as the club has been taking some of the supporters club stuff in house. Is there any advantage to the club for doing this? As the supporters club was donating all the money to them anyway. Um, in respect to this, first of all, the work done by many supporters clubs is absolutely fantastic. You know, they are unsung heroes, um, and you know, you you know from your experience, Kevin, that that when when some, perhaps something is started up, you've got uh, dozens and dozens of people who want to get involved, and then within six months, you're down to a hardcore yeah. of people doing all of the heavy lifting. Um, the, the the issue. In terms of should certain aspects uh, be run in house, is that it could be that the people in the supporters club um, don't have the necessary specific experience uh, in a particular role to to maximise what's best for the club financially. So you know, in in terms of fundraising, in terms of uh, you know commercial planning, 
uh, sponsorship and, and things like that, you might be better off with, with somebody who's actually come from the industry, who is being paid a salary by the club, and also has the ability to to look at it from a non-partisan perspective. Yeah. Because when when we look at our clubs and when we try and do something from our clubs, we are doing it with you know, you know red and blue striped or blue and white striped lenses in our eyes. Yeah. Um, and, and that can sometimes be be counterproductive because you know, we, we might be focusing on things on a short-term basis and you need to take a more strategic view and so on. Um, also, from, from the club's point of view, is that if activities are being run by the supporters club, the ability of the board of directors to have a, have a chain, chain of command and uh, sort of alloca- allocation of responsibilities is very limited. Whereas if things are being run in-house, then you've, you've got a line manager um, to whom you report, to to who you have discussions with. Um, and, and sometimes that can be a, get a little bit blurred um, by the supporters clubs. And, and again, yeah, what supporters clubs do is absolutely fantastic yeah. because a lot of the stuff they do, you know, I, I'm, I'm so proud of all of those those clubs, especially, you know, I, you know, I, I live at, I work in uh, I work in Liverpool. The work done at both Everton and uh, Everton and Liverpool in terms of their their food bank activities, some of the uh, social enterprise work done at Tranmere, it, it it literally makes you cry with pride to to know that people who who love the, the sport that you love behave in such a way and, and are making such a great contribution. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it also makes you cry with anger that they need to have to do it in the first place. To be honest, but um, yes, uh, yeah. Speaking of of kits, well, what was that colour you were wearing last night? I believe they said it was teal. Um, well, it was a teal. It was it was a colour that, uh, if you were colour blind, meant that you were fucked. Well, I thought that might be the case. Roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube wreck you. Valentine's Day is just round the corner and our sponsors and old friends Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. I still think Ali may prefer a meal. This Valentine's (laughs) Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code PRICEOFFOOTBALL for 20% off plus free shipping. The performance package... 4.0 comes equipped with the best tools needed when freshening up for a night on the town. Inside, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. Its advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight that's bright enough to shine a light to your true love this year. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker a nose and ear hair trimmer to whack off the worst of all your weeds and two free gifts. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code PRICEOFFOOTBALL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off when you're taking 100% off your balls with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code PRICEOFFOOTBALL. Help tame that love jungle you have in your pants with Manscaped. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. And talking to Liverpool, John Gillespie asked us this question. Liverpool now have a partnership with Think Markets, their new global trading partner. What do you know about them? The club statement talks about providing Think Markets with digital assets. What does that mean? And other than pure income benefit, what are the ways Liverpool will benefit from partnering with a financial trading markets platform? Um, well, first and foremost, this, this is a financial relationship. Um, Think Markets get access yeah we, we we sometimes do sign up with uh organizations if, if they've got our club's badge on it so you know from from and that's why sponsors do it you know sponsors sponsors do not sponsor football clubs for love uh the vast majority of the time you know it, it's purely a a commercial arrangement um yeah I, i've done a little bit of research into think markets they they allow you to 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 buy and sell investment assets, uh, and there are many alternatives. If you're just using them as a platform, they are probably no better or no worse than, than other platforms. Um, you know, let the buyer beware; they're not there necessarily to give you. I don't think they are. They're not registered financial advisors, so um, so so that's fine. In relation to to what John said with regards to digital assets, this is where we're we're going back to you know, our, our previous discussion with regards to the um, tokens, fan engagement um, that the clubs are are desperate to legitimise because we have reached as far as football is concerned, we've we've reached a peak. They. They can't realistically charge more money for tickets, you know, because football is still a yeah, a a game of the people, um, and people are starting to creep in terms of the the prices being demanded. Um, they the TV companies have said we're paying you a lot of money, we ain't going to pay you a lot more. So you know the 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 glory days of what we saw in twenty fourteen and twenty seventeen, where the Premier League. Uh, d- domestic deals went up by seventy yeah. percent on both occasions. Those those days have gone as well. So, uh, you know, how else can they get money? It's it's got to be through something new, and this is where digital assets come in. So, are they going to be fan tokens? Are they going to be NFTs? Um, Liverpool, I think, are tentatively sort of trying to gauge the reaction from their fan base. Um, and yeah, you know, I think you and I we're, we're both familiar with the um, you know people like the Anfield Rap and yeah. uh, Spirit of Shankly who uh, fantastically articulate the views of the the hardcore Liverpool support from from Merseyside, uh, and I think the clubs would have to go very very carefully because um, these organisations are very protective of Liverpool uh, as as a. As, as, a, as a as a city as a, as a as a brand as a football club and so on and they don't they will they will push back if they think that yeah. the club is trying to simply monetize football fans loyalty um beyond what we consider to be reasonable yeah merchandise if people want to get a set of you know glorified panini stickers with liverpool players on fantastic but 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 it, that's what it is it's not an investment yeah uh, our next question comes from Ben Evans. And Ben says, I know that the EFL TV deal is sold to Sky as a bundle 
for the three leagues and the League Cup. But what is the point of Sky having the rights for League One and Two when they only tend to show these games during an international break? Surely they can't be worth that much to the TV deal. So why don't the EFL just sell the championship to Sky and find another broadcast partner for League One and Two? Well, I, I think this is something which has been considered in the past. And, and in fact, some of the club owners in the championship have uh, have suggested this. Um, they feel that the, the £119 million a season that Sky currently get is is underpricing the value of, of the product. Um, but when, when you actually dig into it, um, I, I spoke to some people in, in broadcasting to say, well, you know, what, what's your view with regards to this? And the reply was, well, actually, Sky, Sky like the championship. It's, it's a decent enough product, but the average viewing figures uh, are 178,000 for a championship match. Yeah, now, right. in the SPFL, it's 283,000. Yeah. So you go, well, so therefore... And if you take a look at the value of the SPFL deal, it's not particularly high. So they think you know half to two thirds of, of the value of the deal is coming from the League Cup because you know, the final, the semi-finals, which which the EFL are desperate to preserve as as two-legged because it, it it genuinely contributes towards their total money. And, and the big fear, of course, is that with the Swiss style. Um, uh, Champions League, which is going to result in, in more uh, Champions League matches taking place. Where where is the future of the League Cup? Um, you know, it's it, it. I think it would be a challenge. Although you know, perhaps if the if the clubs that qualify for the, the Champions League don't play in the League Cup and uh, we get six teams from Scotland playing it, it, it could still be a really attractive proposition. Oh, I'd love an away trip to Scotland. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, I, 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 and, and, and if this does go ahead, uh, can we just say that we had first dibs on the idea? And uh, <laughs> we're, not, we're not looking for 190 million quid, but, you know, a curry at least. Yeah. Um, our next question comes from Andy Adams. I, I don't know which team Andy supports, but it sounds to me like he's been in the Porter's arms recently because this is a subject of much discussion. And Andy says, why are clubs pushing digital season tickets? What are the advantages, especially as it's not very inclusive when it comes to those fans who don't have or don't want smartphones? Clubs talk about Premier League guidelines, and Palace have certainly done this, uh, claiming that... They've had to do it because of Premier League guidelines. But reading them, there's no mention of digital season tickets. So why the rush? And certainly at, at Palace, I, uh, you, you know, Kieran, being freelance, it's feast or famine. And in, in previous yep. in previous years, I've had to use three or four separate cards to pay for my season ticket. But this year, uh, lovely, just happened to have some money, bowled down there, paid for my season ticket. Couldn't wait to come back two days later to collect the card. And within that two days, they phoned up saying, oh, we're going digital. We're being forced by the Premier League. But this unseemly rush, certainly for the mm. first two or three home games, caused absolute chaos. So, And no one could quite understand what is the benefit to the club, especially as Sellers Park's in a bit of a bowl and the Wi-Fi is not good there anyway. Yeah, the, the potential benefits of the club, first of all, there is a cost benefit. They don't have to physically send them out. You, know, yeah. you send out 20,000, you know, the price of a first-class stamp, the price of printing the cards. If you can do all that digitally, it, it does actually work out. Benefit. What happens if you lose your card? Then, you, then yeah, it has to be replaced. Um, secondly, there's the issue of touting. Um, there are, uh, you know, I, 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 I've said this on more than one occasion, I know a tout in Manchester who uh, can get up to 80 tickets wow um for old trafford right and that's that's the way the system operates and and you know manchester united gets an awful lot of international fans who are prepared to pay top dollar so what would happen is if, you know if, if you're a hardcore red um the the international fans come to watch manchester united uh now if it is manchester united and this is no disrespect playing burnley or brighton or, or palace and it's 12 30 on a saturday um, they might think, well, I, really, I just can't be asked. Yeah, yeah. Um, and therefore, what they do is, you know, that everyone knows who the touts are. You, you phone the tout, he sends a runner around, picks up your card, sells that to a, a football tourist for 70 or 80 quid, and then 
they've, they, they've got spotters. So you know, they know where the seats are. So the, the football tourist goes and sits in that particular seat. And then the spotter just pops down and says, right, I'll have the ticket back now. So everything works smoothly. Yeah. Um, it becomes more complicated to do that with regards to um, digital tickets. Now, more complicated is not the same as impossible, by the way. Um, so so that is, that's one thing that the clubs are a little bit concerned about because, you know, there's, there's, football's not been covering itself in glory recently in terms of the way that fans have been behaving. And if it stops people who shouldn't be in the grounds yeah. getting into the grounds, that, that's a further issue. So there's, there's legal issues, there's touting issues, uh, there's cost savings, but also data mining. You know, if, if, if the club has got a digital record of you, they will know what time does Kevin Day rock up to Selhurst Park on a Saturday. And, you know, if they can work out, all of a sudden they say, well, people within a you know a two-mile radius of the ground are turning up on average at 2.36. People who are season tickets who are 10 miles away, they're turning up 45 minutes. And then you can start to, in your marketing, you can start to to target those people. You can, you can start to send them... Uh, specific offers you know if, if you if you if you turn up at the grounds an hour beforehand instead of 45 minutes you can get an extra pint out you we'll give you 10 percent off of the price of a pint and, and it's all part of uh information has value to football clubs and they are constantly trying to work out ways of mining that data that they have about you to either commercially exploit themselves or to sell on to third parties it's a matter of record what time I get to sell us part five to three. I've always been very open about the fact I get this. Part. <laughs> Although the, the problem is there are conspiracy theories at every club who, who say, because certainly a lot of people I know uh, earlier in the season will get into the ground an hour before they normally would because the queues have been so long. So, they, yeah. so they're getting in half an hour before they normally would. So they're buying two pints at the club rather than two pints at the pub. But, also, do you know what the club don't understand, Kieran? I, I phoned up for my FA Cup ticket last week, uh, talked to the lad I normally talk to, lovely young fellow, Ryan, uh, and went, paid for the ticket. And he says, I'll, I'll send that across, the e-ticket. It's like, no, I, I want I want to go to Sellers yeah. Park. Any excuse I can get to go to Sellers Park and do something is, is great. But I just, mm. just next minute the ticket was there on a the computer. And I said, oh, I haven't got an excuse to go to Sellers Park. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our next question it's it something I think fans all over the country, certainly bigger Premier League clubs, will will be talking about to themselves or to their to their friends. It comes from a Wolves fan uh, called Jack Tolly, and if ever there is a Wolves fan name, it's Jack Tolly. That's a yes. that's a proper Black Country name, isn't it? Jack Jack Tolly. Um, Jack says, as a Wolves fan, should I have feelings of unease supporting a club owned by a Chinese company? How closely linked to Chinese companies to a government that's regularly accused of human rights abuses? Well, I think, Jack, before I get Kieran involved in this, any level of unease is yours to decide, basically. Mm. I, I'm lucky enough at the moment, my club are in, in good hands, very good hands, but two of the owners were high-profile uh, donators to, to Brexit groups, which is slight, makes you slightly uneasy, but it's that's fine. That helped their popularity with a lot of Palace fans, that they were pro-Brexit. We had an owner in Simon Jordan who I used to, just used to get terribly ashamed by some of the stories I'd hear from other club staff about the boorish way in which Simon Jordan behaved. And it used to make me feel ashamed until I worked out it was down to him to feel ashamed and me to feel angry, basically, about him, you know, the, the name that our club was getting because of some of his antics. But you know you, the the wolves that you support is the the wolves that one of the most famous clubs in in Europe in the fifties. The European Cup came about because of wolves antics. Yours is the wolves of Billy Wright and Derek Dugan and Steve Ball. So that's who you support, regardless of who owns your club at the moment. You support that team with that most famous traditional of shirts. So keep on supporting them. And yes, you should have if you have feelings of unease, they should be made known to the club. But as we're always saying, as Man United fans always ask us to say, can we say the Glazers and not Manchester United? Because it's them that are making the decisions, not Manchester United. So, yeah. But in terms of his, his actual, you know, how closely linked Kieran are Chinese companies to the government? Because one would assume that very closely is the answer. Um, the, the Chinese government is keen 
for companies to be successful. Um, and that has had a, a very positive impact upon the, the Chinese uh, economy as far as many of the cities are concerned. Uh, not, not as much so as far as the uh, agriculture areas of China. So Ch- China is, is very much sort of two speed. Um, there has to be approval of certain activities by companies. So, so, so are there links? Yes. Um, are there those links closer than we see between the UK government and individual companies? Uh, yes, they are. But it, it doesn't mean that they are directed by. So there, there's sort of a there, there is a relationship. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would agree entirely with, with your assessment of this. Jack supports Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Club. You have to separate the clubs from the owners. Yeah, uh, yeah and this, this is something that, that Derby County fans have come to terms with yeah. in recent. Uh, yeah. you know, when the big, they, they, and you know, I'm, I'm always at pains to point out you you can love Derby County and hate Mel Morris, and, and, and the two things are are not mutually exclusive, yeah. or are mutually exclusive as such. Um, so the, the, the owners can, can make you proud and shameful, um, but that doesn't mean that the club should be proud or shameful or be treated in, in such a way. Although you know, in, the, uh, in, in the Punch and Judy uh, world of social media, that's what happens, and if if you actually articulate things correctly, then, then I, I think you can separate the two, uh, because you know, f- football clubs are fantastic institutions. Because well, for the reasons that we've we've gone on yeah. and on and on, yeah, you know, history, heritage, sense of identity, and so on, and that doesn't come from the owners. That comes from that comes from the clubs and and your your dads and your granddads and all of the relatives and your mums who've sewn the badges on shirts when you were a kid and so on and and that's that's why you love the club not not due to the owners you you, you can love you can love your owners as well but that's a separate issue yeah. <clears throat> the club's a concept basically and it's hard to describe to non-football fans but the club is a concept every club as a concept is bigger than the owners yeah. our final question comes from andrew church and this is uh, this is right up your street, Kieran. I'm sure PG kept this till last just to keep you just to keep you entertained and alert. Uh, it comes from Andrew Church, and Andrew Church says, "With uh, a financial fair play system based on profit loss accounting, you will always be battling creative accountants and owners finding weird and wonderful ways to inject positive numbers into the profit line." So I had a thought. Uh, forget about profit, loss, revenue, etc. Why not simply put restrictions on the amount of debt a club can have? Instead, this would prevent clubs being spent into the ground, but also allow the wealthiest owners to inject as much cash as they like without having to buy club assets for inflated prices, sponsor their own clubs using fake taxi firms, etc. Correct me if I'm wrong, but debt is the real issue at mishandled clubs, is it not? Now, I've, I'm just going to sit back. I'll, I'll, I'll sit back a yard or two here, Kieran. I'll, I'll let you deal with this. Off you go. Right. Um, in terms of Andrew's first point, uh, a, a profit or break-even based financial fair play system is open to manipulation and abuse. And certainly when it was first created, you know, I know I've said this before, um, I sat down the first day, looked at the rules, came, came up with 10 schemes. Yeah. Finley's just walked in the room to, to, to listen to my to my epistle here. <laughs> um, and, uh, if, and I've always said, yeah, if I can do it and I'm just a teacher, then when you get the really smart, People from the silver tongued fraternity and and the, the big firms of accountants, they, you know, for, for every one scheme I can come up with, they can come up with you know a, a hundred. So it is open to abuse. So what about debt? Right. This is this is my view of debt. There is nothing wrong with debt. Uh, you know, I, I was at the Spurs Stadium last night. It is magnificent. It has been funded by debt. Um, the debt does not have to be repaid until twenty fifty one. So we've got, yeah, let's face it, chances are you and I are not going to be around. There's a fair chance that you and I are not going to be around when, when it comes to, to that debt having to be repaid. And also, I think Spurs will probably just knock it knock it down the road for another 20 years. Yeah. So um, debt is not a problem. It is servicing debt that is, that is a problem. And it is cash flow which causes 
clubs to go out of business, just like all other businesses. Yeah, I'm working in, I used to work in insolvency a long, long time ago, and all that I would focus upon was order books and future cash um, uh, to identify whether or not the club has, can, can you can you meet next month's wage bill? Can you pay your creditors? Can you meet your, your next tax bill coming up and so on? So um, I don't think a debt-based approach would necessarily uh, be better uh, Manchester United have a lot of debt Manchester United are a very successful football club Spurs the same we've got um, some clubs which have relatively little debt but they've got wage bills which are twice the amount of income that's a problem that's yeah. a cash flow problem yeah. so um it it looks as if there will be changes uh, so for, yeah I think Andrew is right that the the existing system is is probably not fit for purpose but the noises we are seeing coming out of UEFA is that they will be effectively going for something that uh, similar to, to to Andrew has suggested in the sense that allowing owners to put as much money in as they want um now if if this if this comes uh, to, to prevent you know, a, a ridiculously uh, wealthy uh, sovereign wealth fund from from buying football as such, uh, you know, it seems to be that some other sports are about to be bought, um, which involve hitting a, a ball, or albeit a smaller ball than the football. Yeah. Um, if they want to do that, then we 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 tax that in some way within the football industry. So if you're going to pay wages which are more than 70% of income, fill your boots, but for every you know, £100 of extra wages you're paying, you've, you get taxed £50, and that get, either goes to other clubs or goes to grassroots football or whatever it's going to be. Um, so uh, if, you, if you're rich enough to afford to, to subsidise football clubs to uh, a, a significant level, then you either have to invest in the rest of the industry uh, via some form of tax, or, or or end up supporting grassroots from from a central fund into which that money goes. So that that would be my approach. Um, but you know, he, he's he's absolutely right. Um, we've 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 currently got a uh, owners putting out press releases, and there are counter press releases coming from other institutions as well. And, and it's all getting a little bit tawdry with regards to uh, how how things are going on. Um, and and there's there's employees who are fearful for loss of jobs, and there are fans fearful for loss of their clubs, and, and that that's wrong. That's not right. Yeah, uh, the other sport you mentioned uh, that's golf, presumably you're talking about. That that is yeah, yeah which yeah. is the, the Saudi government's about to about to buy golf. Yeah, they've they've launched a, an alternative tour, which, as you say, is probably going to engulf the traditional one. Um, it does seem odd, Kieran, doesn't it? That as you say, that Spurs Stadium is magnificent, but. It's odd to believe or to think that in 50 years' time it still won't be paid for. Um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, if you, you know, we, when we first bought our house, we took out, what, 25, 30-year mortgage? And, fair, point, fair point, I suppose, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and I've, you know, I've, I'm not in the first house, so... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still, I've still got a mortgage, and, and it's, it's best part of forty years since I bought, bought, bought my first house. So it's no, no different for a club. Yeah, this is the bit where producer guys looking up the word mortgage. What does that mean? <laughs> Whatever, bought, paid cash. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, if you'd like to make a small donation to our always free to air podcast, and that'd be very kind of you, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash price of football. If you have any questions for us, one at a time, please, Shishia. Uh, it's questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, once again, folks, thanks for all the feedback. Uh, thanks for all the good things you say about this and the bad things as well, because we, you know, we, we we need we need to uh, take on board all all uh, all, all valid viewpoints. Um, if you want to support the show, the the Patreon route is one. Uh, coming along to see us uh, at the uh, at, at Plough Lane would be another. And uh, as you say, yeah, we, we are we we've been in contact or we've had contact with. Rochdale Football Club, uh, Rochdale AFC, uh, and yeah, we are gonna we are gonna f- try to financially support from from that first show. Uh, yeah, we, we've got to make a profit first. Yeah, I've got to be honest. And, and if we sell twelve tickets, we're, we're Donald Duck. Um, so, 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 so please, please, yeah, you, you're not you're not supporting us. You're, you're helping support. Uh, and, what, and what's happened at Rochdale is, uh, you know, 
a, a stain on football yeah. uh, in terms of the way that they, the, the club, that club's being treated by so-called uh, uh, investors or potential investors. Um, if you if you just want to give us some good karma, uh, just just go along to your app, um, Apple. I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to say the word Spotify at present. <laughs> um, but uh, if you can give us a review, um, it, apparently it's, it's, it's the number of stars that count uh, to, to a large extent. Uh, and, and you can say you can say whatever you want. You, you could say you would rather have the show presented by the Phantom Flanflinger from Tiswas <laughs> and Roy Keane. I, I think that'd be quite a feisty. I'd, have that, I'd, I'd pay money. I'd, I'd sign up for Patreon for that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to work out who'd win in that fight. I, <laughs> I think Roy Keane would quite enjoy that. Actually, I think he might ch- he might he might start chuckling a bit. Um, <laughs> we'll discuss this further off air, Kieran. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. I'm for the ball.